Cradleine Network. All right, I, Fox, I'm just showing you the last image. of. So you're the- showing me the last image of this. I haven't looked at it. I'm going to click on this link. Yeah. Plaf. Lachum. I don't know who he was. Scum sucking. Oh! <laughs> oh! Wait! <gasps> That's Bill Savage. That's Bill Savage, buddy. Conrad, I'm about to fart. This is so great. Oh, my God. Bill Savage prominently features in this next Armored Gideon story, along with other characters from the early days of 2000 AD. Shacko shows up. Oh, no. Does he uh, grow to different sizes? Dan Is he a small bear in there? Big... Oh, okay, that's not great. Even but... fucking Angel shows up, buddy. <laughs> oh, this is the thing I feel like you were talking about for a long time. Yes. Anyway. I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, my God. I like as soon as he said Volgan Geek. Oh, yeah. you could see why I'm I'm hopeful about this section. All right, good enough. I want to I want to read this now, but it yeah. also looks like you know Robo Hunter. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Simon Jacob. You no, know, and we'll have plenty of time to get into it. It'll be a good time. All right, I'm gonna stop recording here. Exactly. My name is Conrad. Alongside my friend Fox, it's the 293rd episode of Space Spinner 2000. Mm. Podcast for two Americans are to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering, what is it, May and June? Oh, Jesus Christ. I've blown it, Fox. Yeah, it's May and June. Yeah. It's May and June. May and June, 1994. Progs. 889 to 891. This time, we're starting another raft of new thrills as dread handles klutzes, time travelers, and conspiracies. Mm. We'll meet the new flesh in Mambo and start new adventures for Slain, Friday, Armored Gideon, and some other surprising old friends. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to read along with this, you'll find the comics we're covering today. In Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 20, the Luke Kirby Collection, and the Armored Gideon Collection. Okay. I mean, and, well, is, 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 uh, is Mambo in any of those? No, I don't think Mambo is collected anywhere, though. I could be wrong, but I, I, mean, I, 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 know I don't see it listed anywhere. Unfortunate. It's true. Actually, I should, I should correct myself, Fox. We are in, we've, with... This week's at issue issues or this week's progs, we're actually crossing over into case file 21. Oh, okay. Yeah, new case file, new us. Very exciting. So does this mean that we're in the good part of the 90s now? No, no, still a little bit more until we get to the really good part of the 90s. Although this part's okay. We're sort of building up for yeah. wilderlands and things like that, as we'll see in our as we start off with. Thrill one, Judge Dread. Jeez, man, these clumsies. Oh man, yeah. Sorry, and I'm a little sick today, so these uh, thrill announcements are <laughs> gonna be got some extra phlegm in them. Very exciting. So, Judge Dread, script robot Alan McKenzie, as Sonny Steelgrave, John, and then also John Wagner, art robot Anthony Williams, Carlos Escara, and Mark Harris, and lettering robot Tom Frame. Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah. 
Mackenzie and Williams start us out as we see Judge Dredd, lawman of the future, reporting into control that he's headed to the Gerald Ford block to find suspects from a bank job at the Norman Lamont block. <coughs> and just to remind you, of course, Gerald Ford, famously clumsy president of the United States, like he was played by Chevy Chase on early Saturday Night Live and just sort of tripped and foot fell a lot and things like yeah. that. Do you like football? That's more modern version of Gerald Ford from The Simpsons, of course. Let's go Do to my like house. Beer? Drink beer and watch football. And they both trip. Yes, Mr. Oh. President. <laughs> and then Norman Lamont is the uh I believe he was the he was like the former chancellor of the Exchequer and Treasury Secretary at this point. It's always and it's, kind of a neat title. Yeah. And the Ford block is, of course, home of the clumsies subculture in Mega City One. Hershey's on her way in a catch wagon, and we see a bunch of wrecked cars outside the block. Hershey arrives as well. We see this block's in real bad shape, like holes in the walls, letters missing from the sign, etc. It's a very clumsy building. Indeed, yeah. They drop, they dodge falling plant pots and climb crime blitz into an apartment, and then things go wrong. Dredd gets his hand slammed in a door, and some a lady's spike heels go right through Hershey's boot, and then she Oof. gets tea spilled on her. God, these third-degree tea burns. Yeah. Hershey goes to get medical attention as the pair, or, or as the two judges are nearly crushed by a falling window cleaner. Watch out, buddy. Oh, God. Yeah, his head splats on the pavement. It's actually kind of gross. Super slapstick, you know? Um, and then it turns out the apartment that they blitzed actually did do the li- the robbery, and now they've planted some leftover explosives from that job in Hershey's vehicle, and they're going to make her run for the border. Okay, well, turns out that won't work. Yeah, Hershey hears a beeping and goes to check it and finds the takings from the robbery hidden inside her catch wagon as the hover car of the escaping perps explodes. Yep. <laughs> and takes the whole block with it. Ah, two problems that solve each other. Gosh. I mean, it just seems like you it's bad to be clumsy in this future world. Yeah, well, I mean, especially when you sort of, when you've got basically just an apartment block full of clumsy people, you know, and sort of when that's your defining characteristic, you got to go hold <laughs> hog, you know? This is who I am. I'm going to fuck everything up. Exactly. So... Now we're entering part of the uh, ni- the Prague 889 relaunch, Fox. And um, some of the returning thrills in this one have a uh, introduction or credit page, which is sort of like what we're doing at the magazine a lot. And so this time, Dread starts off with the Cliff Robinson version of Dread against the Mega City One cityscape. The year is 2116, and Judge Dread is the law. And yep. We've got classic Dread team John Wagner and Carl Arciscara here yeah. for this one. Yeah, it's Wagner's first time in Dread uh, on Dread in the Prague since 1991 when he God wrote damn. that uh, "The Devil You Know" story about the mm. democracy referendum and stuff. But he's been busy writing. He's done a bunch of Dread stuff over in the magazine, so it's he hasn't been far from it. I'll say. Mean um anyway. Me, and Carlos Escare, of course, done previous stuff. We saw him for Inferno, et cetera. Always around. Good guy. And as the story begins, we're at our hometown, Cambridge, in the year 1999, as some egghead professors have built a time machine, and they're presenting it to a crowded lecture hall, saying, like, we're going to go to the future. Which, I mean, I, I guess, like, 
what's what's the purpose of it being in a lecture? <laughs> like, well, you got to show we're people come that back it works. Really yeah. fast. Yeah, but then it it wouldn't be more than a second, like a blink of an eye or some shit, and they could just come out of it and be like, ah, we went through the future. I mean, you probably bring something back, you know, like you bring Jesus back or something. You're like, look. We oh, you Bill and Ted the whole thing? Yeah, we punched Jesus and brought him back. And he's like, <laughs> what's going on? And it's like, well, we, we need help doing our uh, our term paper. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, then you just get Socrates to say San Dimas High School football rules and it's fine. I <laughs> uh, love Bill and Ted. Totally. Yeah. So they travel. They're going to travel to the future. May 19th, 2116, 60 miles south of New York City, which might have once been parsley spot, sparsely populated, parsley spot, parsley spotulated, but instead. Well done. It's now uh, right in the middle of the Mega City One Megway, and Dread yeah, has some complaints about their parking. <laughs> some real good sci-fi cityscape stuff here, I should oh, say. Yeah. As the globe-based time machine just kind of rolls around, causing chaos and stuff. It's just, you know Katamari things going on here. <laughs> um, yeah, and then crashes down off the Megway and deep into the city. Dread calls in for backup, and these boffins go to exit their machine, and now they're under attack from no good mega citizens talking future speak and being all aggro. Yeah, man. They got they got a knife. They're no good nicks. Yeah. Dread arrives on the scene. The professors think they're saved. <laughs> Little they know how yeah, this yeah. works. <laughs> he takes out the citizens and tells the professors to wait right there. And as he flies off, they the professors talk amongst themselves. That's a judge, James Pickles. He isn't. I don't get it. <laughs> That's a celebrity news pundit judge guy in England. Uh, okay. Like, I want to say like a Mills Lane or like a uh, a guy that goes on like news shows a lot and has opinions about things, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Sure. Where's that wig, I guess? You know, that's what's important. <laughs> Powdered wig. Absolutely. That's how you know. I literally, like when you're a lawyer and when you're a lawyer, you get one kind of wig. When you become a judge, you upgrade to a fancier wig. That's literally, <laughs> literally how the courts work. So wonderful. They get to Dr- play dress up and everything. Totally. Yeah. They get, get wacky with it. That's what the queen want. But that's what the queen would have wanted. You know, <laughs> my decree, my royal decree, get wacky with it. Yes. Lots of robes, powdered wigs. You know how I do. <laughs> Dread leg shoots a couple of the fleeing perps and takes out another with a heat seeker. The rest of them surrender and the professors decide it's time to leave the future. Thank you very much. <laughs> but Dread won't hear of it. He punches his way into their time machine and rides with it back to Cambridge. In classic uh, 2080 time traveling style, their coordinates are off a little bit. So they land on a balcony nearby to the the uh the stage where they left and professor parkinson almost falls off the side but he saved the last minute by judge dread yeah i mean listen we got to take you back to the future so i can put you in jail yeah there's no escape from the law he makes these tech guys go back to his time and the machine's once more off target and crunches and trundles its way through the magazine or, or through the mega city, and now one of my favorite uh, comic book sound effects is just trundle for <laughs> some big thing gradually rolling around. Fair. Once the machine comes to a halt, Dread gives the professors thirty years each, 
We got our own time machines. They're called ISO cubes. See, this is why you need cops. Uh, time oh, tech- cops. Sorry. Yeah. Technically, also, they, the Justice Department does have their own actual time machines, though. Like, there was that City of the Damned yeah. story where they went 20 years in the future and stuff like that. Yeah, you they know. were like, oh, things aren't great. We got to do something about it. <laughs> Dread shot one guy who had to be spinning animation until there was a medical treatment for, like, getting shot, getting your kidney shot off. <laughs> and then they pulled him out of deep freeze and let him out and then he got a time machine went back in time to try to chill kill dread again and dread shot his kidney off again so now he's <laughs> there's two versions of the same guy on different timelines oh yeah next, next to each other in the uh justice department filing cabinet of uh, of a frozen perps i mean you gotta you want to keep them together that way they don't get lost in the shuffle well i mean they have the same like id numbers and stuff like that of course they yeah. be filed next to each other you know that just <laughs> makes sense again i feel like time police this is why you need time police because you got these folks just trashing around with time you got judge dread probably you know out of his jurisdiction by going back in time and taking these people forward through time oh he was in pursuit he was in hot pursuit though fox we all know this come on jean-claude van damme would have nothing to say about this situation (laughs) all right john wagner stays writing but mark harrison takes over on art and this is sort of a myth arc dread story fox it's like those uh those x-files ones where the cigarette smoking man's like a big character in them you know this Mm. is this is not monster of the week stuff Really cool artwork, by the way. Yeah, it's an in- very interesting. He's got a very interesting style here. I think. I think there's a lot of like faces built from either actual people or photographs or something like yeah. that. I think. Um, at the Grand Hall of Justice, a bug flies around the Chief Just Chief Judge Magruder's office as she reviews the case file of Judge Castillo, who apparently f- uh, froze up at a key moment and has been relegated to desk duty. In this case, she's going to be Chief Magruder's assistant, basically. I mean, that seems like failing upwards to me. Seriously. The chief wants absolute loyalty and then shoots the bug off of Castillo's shoulder eagle when it lands there. Jesus. Not stable, this woman. No, no. I mean, this is a good, good example of just showing that Magruder's both getting both crazy and paranoid because she sort of does that and then says, everyone's out to get me. That yeah. kind of stuff. So I think we we have I mean, they, it's definitely I feel like the car of Magruder's dangerously insane, like the pedal's been floored, basically, like we've yeah. definitely gone in there. But I think they're also in doing it very quickly, we've also gotten to the point where we're like, all right, this seems reasonable to get her out of here as it's, well. It's time. Yeah. I think if you're they if you do re- the long walk again. Yeah. If you're reading both the progs and the magazine, then it's a little bit more of a slow burn. But you know, they've sort of picked it up here in the mag or in mm. the progs, I should say. Meanwhile, at the Mike Crichton car park, Judge Dredd comes rolling in. He's met from an elevator by several other judges, including Hershey and uh, Cy Judge Schenker's head of Cy Division. Yeah. And of course, make sure to say like, man, when judges start being like this, I get a little worried. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Hershey gets to the point. Magruder has to go, but without an extant council of five, they can't like voter at there's no way to remove her currently like the mechanism through her own resignation right 
Or, well, I mean, you, you could arrest her as part of a coup, basically. And once that happens, things are very murky. Like this leads to Hershey and another judge sort of arguing about like maybe institute some democratic reforms or something like that. But are you mad? No one's really down with that except for Hershey, basically. And not even even Hershey's very vague about it, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's for another time. The point now is they need dreads if they're going to take down Magruder. They need Dredd support for the coup. And Dredd says, no. Not going to do a coup. Although he has done coups before, but that's because the people were bad. Yeah. I mean, Magruder's not violated the law enough as, say, a cow, right? Yeah, exactly. Or alternately, she hasn't been suborned by a foreign power the way that Griffin was, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's not like a zombie like Silver was, <laughs> you know. And Silver had already sort of been de facto taken, uh, usurped by Magruder at that point anyway, so oh, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, so... um. I, I sorry, I said no real crazy like that just because the oh, yeah, uh, his mouth <laughs> the the art for dread saying no really emphasizes the oh yeah. sound in no. there. Which I think is is pretty funny, honestly, just the way they're doing it. Yeah. Insert uh Darth Vader. No. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or that one, there's this one like internet meme that's like Bugs Bunny saying no. And like, it's actually a picture of like him, like drinking, like from a bottle that's been turned sideways or something like that. And so um, the other judges are not um, to have trouble understanding this, basically. Like Dred Magruder have clashed before. He's even demanded Magruder's resignation at one point in the, this was in the magazine, but it's definitely happened. Um, and that's true, but Dredd won't be part of the coup, he, he, or he won't be part of a coup. If Magruder's going to leave, she'll have to resign voluntarily, he says, and that he won't take part in anything else. He's violated the code enough already, and this is a reference probably to um, him falsifying the destruction of one of the Mark II robot judges, uh. making it look like it was destroyed by the Mark One, by a Mark One robot judge, instead of Dread actually destroying the Mark Two himself. No more robo judges. He is not down with the robo judges, and this will be this will continue to be an important point. <laughs> um. Anyway, there's nothing to be done, so the judges roll out one handing Dread a note that reads ten twenty silence. And as Dredd goes, he arrests a just nearby graffiti artist that's been spraying the copious judges out um, yeah. graffiti tags on the wall over the uh, car park they're in. Someone just landed them in the ISO cubes. Oh, yeah. Next time on Dread, hidden agendas. All right. And I'm interested is, in this story. Yeah, this is part one of a multi-part story that we'll be going through for, I think, most of next episode, actually. Oh, good. Just setting up. Waiting for these epics to to finally show up. Soon enough. I mean. All right. We're sort of, I think, yeah, Wilderland, like, the we do have a, I've, I've told you, we do have an epic this year. It's going to be another Prague magazine, Prague Meg crossover. Mm-hmm. That's going to be in September of this year. So, so 
after a couple, couple more episodes. Yeah, so basically, like, basically, we'll have one episode for pro- that'll be Prog 900, and then the other ones around those, and then we'll be into Wilderlands and the Wilder Zone. Ooh, very exciting. Anyway, Prog 88, or yeah, Prog 888 had just a bunch of sort of wrap up uh, strips of stuff we've been talking about. So now we're just going to go in a big mash of those, Fox. Yay. Just some one-offs and things, starting with Thrill 2, Journal of Luke Kirby. Super for the devil. <laughs> I think we sang, I was about to sing the Rolling Stones song, but I'm positive we did that last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Script robot Al McKenzie, Art robot Steve Parkhouse, Nick Abadzis, and Gina Hart, letting robot uh, Annie Parkhouse. Luke Kirby. Yep, he's a boy. Wizard boy. In As- hell. In hell, he's freed his father from demonic bondage, but his dad is still dead, so he can't go back to the living world. That's just the way it goes. Uh, obvious devil, obvious like Satan guy devil, Jack offers Luke a couple options. Yeah. Stay in hell and, you know, rule with your dad. Yeah, um, this level at least. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a decent chunk of hell. Yeah, um, you know, a whole level. Yeah. Totally. Come on. Whatever. Solium Inferno, buddy. It gets you a place to start from. Start rolling these yeah. dice. You just think about it. It could be, you know, you don't know which which level you're on. So it could be like the lusty one. Ooh, nice. Ah, weird. All right. <laughs> Second option he could let his dad go to his eternal reward. And option three, kill yourself and let your dad go to, go to his <laughs> eternal reward and hope you end up in the same afterlife. And uh, I mean, Luke, Luke's pretty keen on like, man, that's not going to work out. And you know it. Luke is aware that any time the devil says you should kill yourself, it's probably not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) And And it, you know, I think the reaction was exactly what I was hoping for. It's like, hey, can't hang a guy for trying. Yeah. Okay. Suicides can't go to heaven, whatever. So instead, he just takes a moment to say goodbye to his father and his dad. Just fades away up to heaven, you know. It's a whole thing. Yeah, he um, does the whole uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z thing where he does a teleport, like exactly. You ever see that show, Dead Like Me, Fox? Yeah, the one where um, with uh, uh, Mandy Patinkin and that. Yeah, lady they're from all the, they're uh, all Reapers, right? And yeah, they they're just people go to the afterlife. Exactly that kind of thing. It's a very good, very good show. Yeah, so, yeah. One of the it was on Showtime, I want to say, and one of those sort of just before the golden age of television started yeah, or something yeah. like that shows like sort of like Oz or something like that where it's like oh, oh yeah man. Oz this Oof. would have been a bigger deal if it had come out a year later or something like that yeah exactly Oz so, was huge oh man listen takes me back this summer's watching the that's where that that Oz is the besides Harry 20 on the high rock Oz is what I say <laughs> that that I like it's, sto- it's very I liked, good yeah, I like stories about people in prison, but I would not like to go to prison myself. You know? Correct. <laughs> anyway, um, with that finished, Luke heads back to the uh, hell train, and we learn that the devil isn't so bad. He's just sort of a jailer doing his job here in hell. Yeah, he's and- just cleaning up all of the all the little deets. <laughs> Listen, Fox, ACAB includes the devil, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Luke heads home and sees that everyone has been worried and looking for him. He eats a nice dinner with his mom and thinks that he doesn't want to hear the word Magekka again, or at least for a little while. 
He just wants to take care of his mom and his hot cousin. Is that so too much to ask, Fox? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to want to want to help out the ladies in my life. My I mom, and my hot down cousin, my own cousin. <laughs> Fine, yeah, Franklin Roosevelt all over again. Oh. And we see as, and and all this goes. We see a oh, winter I, I, sunset fall over his town. I would have also accepted, um, uh, God, what's his name? The dude who was the lawyer for Trump. Uh, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani also married his cousin. <laughs> yeah. Political. Both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> we got, we got, we got cousin fuckers on both wings. Fox. Oh my Solid. God. <laughs> and listen, for all you, uh, for all you, uh, Luke heads out there, you, you Kirby people, this is the last one. It's never going to show up again. Luke Kirby will return in late <laughs> summer 1995. God so next damn, year. God damn it. They really, we really need to resolve this cousin arc, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will say that uh, we, we, there's two Luke Kirbys left, basically. Okay. Um, one in summer 95, one sort of fall 95 into 96, basically. God is there just going to be one where he's a teenager and that's definitely implied? Let's just keep, I don't want to, there's going to be stuff. <laughs> anyway. Speak, oh, that's got me excited. I don't even, re- I barely remember these final Lou Kirby's. It, they could be anything, honestly. <laughs> they could be anything. And speaking of things that are anything, Fox, let's go oh, yeah. to Thrill 3, Babe Race 2000. God, uh, what the hell with the end of this? <laughs> Come on. Script about Mark Miller, art about Anthony Williams, letting robot Bunty Mayhew. On the shores of Eastern Australia, the two final babe racers, Joy Hog and Texan Teaser, are fighting it out low tech style on the oh, surf. Yeah. With rocks Bloody and everywhere. Shit. Yeah, Joy's taken a beaten, almost gets brained by Teaser until she makes a desperation eye poke. That's my move, Fox. Yeah, doink. Joy grabs her gun, draws down on Teaser, but it seems like Joy's knees are messed up or something, so yeah. she can't walk that far. So she forces Teaser to carry her through the outback desert. Walker or Mine, die. She's got, like, multiple bites from sharks in yeah, her no, yeah, like, she just got like some apples taken out of her, basically. Yeah, man. There were only three of them. That was a good line last time. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> and I and I will say both this scenario and one panel of this story of, of Walk or Die is a really famous cover of the British war comic Commando, oh. which was basically about uh, a, a British tank tank. Soldier oh, guy who, of like he, it was. he and a Nazi are the only survivors of this battle, and he's got and the the Brit has a gun and the German doesn't, and so the Brit makes the German carry him piggyback to the closest what? fort or something like that. I mean, could he walk, or were his knees also messed up? Well, no the the Brit guy's knees are messed up, and okay. so. He makes the German. I was carry like, him. was he just making him carry him just for the? Fun no, of no, him? no. He like, can't carry you're gonna, him. And you're stuff. gonna piggyback me all the Like I, I essentially the image here. You can kind of see that this guy's got a, got a shot up leg here. You know. Yeah. Okay. It's in the Sahara, so they're both wearing shorts. So that also kind of. <laughs> oh, that I don't makes know. That a little 
Makes that a little sexier. Listen, it does. I'm not, it's not without its erotic elements, Fox, certainly. Oh, God. Also, (laughs) also, also, the more I look at this. (laughs) Also, shout out to Walk or Die on Where Eagles Dare, which is about a bunch of kids that get um, marooned in the middle of Canada after a jet crashes and have to walk their way to safety and things go wrong constantly. It's amazing. Well, Canada is a brutal place. That's and Tundra. and also also it was a photo strip like they did it with like photographs of kids just sort of out in the English countryside what? sort of walking in, walking in circles like making that... dramatic poses and stuff like that. Okay, Where Eagles Dare is a good podcast. I, I it is very good. I would recommend it. Um. Anyway, anyway, Fox. Eventually, Teaser gets too tired and says her heart's going to explode. So Joy just shoots her in the neck and decapitates yeah. her. Yeah, just. Okay. She pulled out her gun that fires those big spin, those like one of those disc guns that you have when oh, you're a yeah. kid. To catch, oh no, it's that from off. that from that uh, from that uh, uh, arcade game where you would. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah. The, what, who was it? Uh, not ACDC. I think it was um, no Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Where you shoot the, yeah. uh, you shoot, shoot a disc discs. for a bomb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, it's very deca- good. Yeah, decap Revolution X Fox. Stumbling forward, <laughs> she Joy sees the Sydney Opera House and the sci-fi cityscape around it and the finish line of the Bay Brace. The press arrives and covers her arriving for her next victory, but in the end, she's had enough and just freaking pegs teasers decapitated head over the finish line. <laughs> There's your <laughs> <her> winner. <laughs> She's had enough of the the violence and the death. Screw this babe race. And they ask her, what's she going to do? And as we look at her butt against the the opera house, she says, maybe she'll settle down and have some kids. The end of babe race. Oof. Uh, You know, I just, it's the ending line that really just, uh, I was like, no, you could have said, I mean, anything would have been better. Yeah, race this. <laughs> Babe Race will return in the 1995-2018 yearbook. And that's really? it. Really? Oh. Yeah, no more Babe Race. Not as bad as I thought it would be, Fox. I'll no, tell you that much. I, it was it, it it was far less erotic than I thought. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it is. It is very like sexual like it is very sexual, but like mostly it's just people exploding and getting absolutely. Their shit beaten out of them, which is awesome. Yeah, I would say it's very, it's very, it's very Liefeldian erotica, you know, Mm. very long legs and broken backs sort of, uh, sort of chicks kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's my Aeon Flux fix. Put some lines on that guy's face. Anyway, so, ah, fuck, never mind. Cut that out, Conrad. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Anyway. Speaking of stories reaching their conclusions, Fox. Oh, God, is it? I I hope that this is the nail in the coffin for this one. Two, three, four, the clown. Just like he also becomes a clown. It's just so dumb. Mm, Script robot Igor Goldkind, art robot Greg Staples, letting robot any park house with some empty words about a society abhorring violence, the clown and Brummer, dressed as a clown, make their way into the scrum of aliens. They tell some jokes and do some slapstick mm. as the aliens start to explode. It's very, uh, you know, that part where Eddie Valiant takes out the weasels and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that kind yeah. of stuff. And it comes complete with uh, a steamroller. That's right. Yeah. Hey, what do you know? 
It's a good movie. If I get stuck, I'm out of luck. <laughs> because I'm running out of time. Hey, thanks. Fox and I watched uh, We Frame Roger Rabbit together very recently. Yeah, it's a very good film. He also, yes, yeah, so like you said, the clown's also steamrolling him for fun and the day is saved. The old man from the police force dies in Brummer's arms and he tells Joe that his father wasn't actually a clown. He was a cop deep undercover. And Brummer says he knows because he told me. And I don't know if that, if he's saying yeah. he significantly like the clown told him or Which significantly like sense. the clown is his father. Well, there was a, fuck, there was a... Last year's annual, there was a flashback clown story where okay. the clown met an undercover cop that was a Ugh. clown. That's where he met Toby the Pony and stuff like okay. that. Okay, yeah. Listen, I don't like these plot essential stories being in the annual spots. <laughs> I hate it so much. Anyway, that little girl kid jumps into the clown's arms and they drive off in the steamroller. Getting good speed for a steamroller, actually. And yeah. as they go, they incidentally take out the zombie army that's been massing this whole time and ride off into the sunset. Don't know how I feel about that, but that's fine. Whatever. The end forever of the clown. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so great. I mean, I'm not... I'm not going against the grain here by saying I did not enjoy the clown, right? I feel like we're pretty, I feel like we're pretty confident in just being down on the clown, Fox. Uh, yeah, it's just not, I don't think it's, it's just weird and for the sake of it. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough. Not enough uh, hatchet wielding. Yeah. Not enough tentative ICP references. I don't know. <laughs> they, great, exist, they existed in 94. I'm I, I'm pretty sure. Anyway. They were still figuring out magnets back then, too. Oh, my God. I mean, magnets isn't until like the 2000s. Yeah. You haven't even understood. You haven't even revealed all the Joker cards yet. Oh, my God. Don't. You're making me reveal the the, the the like seven facts that I know about ICP that I want to get I don't want to get into. I've I've seen I've seen uh, uh, an ICP fan in the wild. Amazing. In, in, San, in San Francisco, like make up and everything, and he was really doing his best to like dodge around people and not be seen, which I felt very bad for him for because it's like, hey, you might live your truth, you know what I mean? Yeah, have pride in your weird subculture. That's why I wear this 2000 AD hat all the time, you know, yeah. getting fights with people reading superhero comics. Anyway, let's finish up the last of our one offs here with Thrill Five Bradley. Uh, Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Simon Harris, and lettering robot Bunty Mayhew. Okay, so Bradley's doubling for the this captured Prince Rupert, but then he found and freed Rupert last time, and shenanigans are afoot. At the crowning ceremony, that evil queen lady accuses Rupert of being the imposter, or Bradley as Rupert of being the imposter, and then the real prince shows up. In that iron mask he wore while being imprisoned. And he rips off the Queen's Lady's dress, exposing her underwear. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Rupert's king, thanks to his new friend, Bradley, who taught him how to fight dirty uh. and qued. Like street cred, I guess. I don't. That's yeah, This don't one's know. terminology I'm not familiar with. And Lady Ophelia likes it. Bradley and the prince high five. The day is saved. And Ophelia even gives Bradley a kiss on the cheek. And he asks for only one thing in return for saving the kingdom, which is that his parents be locked up in the dungeon and tortured so he can do some skateboarding during this vacation. Okay. 
no more museums and and malls, I guess. The end. Bradley will return in August, but that will be the last Bradley. Oh, thank God. This one wasn't that bad, though, I gotta say. I don't no, know. it's fine. It's okay action. Slightly less self-satisfied than normal, but it is very, you know... It's still Bradley. As as someone in their 40s now, this sort of 90s era of skateboards and cowabungas, like... <laughs> we I'm got not, through that only to have to revisit it again. It's not great. I'm just not as nostalgic as you'd think I might be for it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, very, uh, very, uh, let's trash the mall, I'm not going to clean my room kind of rebellion going on here. Yeah, it's very, uh, eh. Anyway, we've reached... A split before we start our new thrills. Let's take a quick break with some non thrills, covers, and nerve setters. All right. Sure. Yeah. Starting off, Prog 888, the devil wears eights tonight. <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock. Anthony Williams draws Dread booting his way into justice. And we got a good gooch shot of Dread here, by yeah, the way. It's Always right. Nice. It's right the, in the grundle, man. <laughs> And the nerve center Tharg stoked to have finally reached the long advertised Prog 889, plugs the sci-fi special, which we discussed a few episodes back, and the input page has a confrontation between Judges Dread and Blobby. Okay. God, Mr. Blobby is so fucking disturbing. What is wrong with you, <laughs> Brits? Um, there's a letter demanding an award for spending 400 pounds on back issues. Says, oh, my God. Comics Dread is turning into Stallone because of his sneers and in uh, the Sugar Beat story. Condemn letters that are just seeking the thrill rewards. And a letter has completed a pretty dope painted model of Slain. All right. Yeah. And the prog ends with an ad for the 889 reboot with a character montage that emphasizes Slain, Dread, and Rogue Trooper. 889, it's the big relaunch itself, as Mick Austin is a pretty classic dread pose here. Yeah. Lawgiver and day stick in hand. I'm I'm not as good about poses and sort of general like dread po- things, like like his the looks of him as I am about stories and stuff. But I yeah. feel like this specific pose is either based on an older dread or will others will use this as a basis for their dread pictures in the future it's very thick on this one very pretty thick dread anyway don't read it live it and there's a double-sized nerve center in this one gotta Um, explain everything including the fucking thrill suckers why yeah introducing all the new thrills as well as tharg the concept of squawk stacks thargos data dump on the mighty one mention of thrill suckers like you say um, this episode was accompanied by an animated TV commercial that I've shown you, Fox. And yeah. it came with a 17-pound coupon to use at HMV stores. But the nearest HMV to us is like in Kingsland, Fox. is way too far Whoa. to go. Yeah. This issue is also 44 pages long, but that's not a continuing trend. And the But the, the fact that the price has gone up to 75 pence is... Oh, boy. Five pence up. The input page is a picture of Judge Slain. Letters explain why we should fill out the exit poll at the end of each ep- each issue and send it in. Ask for more 2000 AD t-shirts. Wonder how Dread's gun works. And the answer is don't worry about it too much. There's bullets in there. There's a couple of different kinds. Don't stress. 
and a sewer leak has caused the destruction of a portion of a Reader's 2000 AD collection. Be careful. The prog then ends with an ad for the The Crow movie, and that takes me back to different to earlier times. Fox, that's a oh, fun yeah. movie, fun nineties movie. Yeah, it's a good, good, silly hero movie. Yeah, tragic in its backstory, but still, yeah, like, a, a romp. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I mean, goth, if you want to have romp, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want to see some like real, I I don't know. I think it's just very in rewatching it. It's just. <laughs> It really takes itself very seriously. Can I tell you a story about the about the Crow movie, Fox? Please tell me a story about the Crow movie. When I was in college, I was in a, a speech and debate class, which is basically just sort of making making like making giving talks to people. It was just yeah. sort of a you know it was a, it was a requirement. Everybody had to take it. And we had to do one that was about like everybody having a political stance or something. I forget what I did for it, but I, I'll always remember that one one group of students did a gun control stance, but like very, very pro gun control. And they decided cool. to do it by saying that everybody needs a gun because of home invasions and stuff. And so they showed the part. And so they basically just like, oh, yes, we've got some audio video elements for this. And it was the that the scene in The Crow where <laughs> Brandon Lee is killed and his wife is raped and stuff like that. Just like pretty horrible, you know? And like, wow. like all right. And if they had had a gun, though, you know, it's like, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, guys. Oh, my God. This, this is a lot for a freshman class that I'm going to at 7 p.m. Like, it it freaked out the professor. She, like, like literally, like, asked me and my friend to, like, walk her to her car. Yeah, because like, those people bit. are weird gun people. It was a lot. Anyway, I don't want to get God. too far into it, but that was such a, such a weird thing to do. Like, re- what a way. I'm pretty sure my speech was not that intense. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, I mean, yeah, they shouldn't be at a high school. Well, this is at college. This was like freshman, oh, okay. freshman okay. college for the record. Anyway, well, edge lords, indeed. Eight ninety a- ammo action aggro. Gary Erskine, Dondi Cox, and Steve Cook provide a Rogue Trooper Friday cover, which is cool, although it doesn't quite match up with how Flint's drawing mm. this new version of the GI. So it's a little discordant. In the Nerve Center, Tharg is hyped about all this new content and plugs a new Judge Dredd novel, which we've seen a fair amount of in the magazine, but only recent, or but I think this is the first mention in in, in the progs. Got to figure out a way to cover those. Oh, I don't want to read books, Fox. I hate it. I'm lazy. Yeah. Um, anyway, the letters in the input page take take up less than a quarter of the real estate and a where a writer's girlfriend. Um, a, a writer's girlfriend's second priority is escaping a, bu- a bushfire. So, or her second priority was like get the dreads. Like first, save the photo albums. Second, save the judge dreads. Wow. <laughs> and it seems that the U.S. is developing a uh, a pistol that uh, will be linked to your palm print, Judge Dread style. So you know. Huh. Maybe sometime in the future that's actually our past, this Judge Dredd technology will become real. Who's to say? It didn't, though. Or at least it hasn't yet. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a really... I feel like it's a bad idea. It's always funny with these with these talks about things in the future that are actually 30 30 years in our past or whatever, Fox. Yeah, exactly. Okay, never mind. Must be next time. Okay, anyway. um, And then... um, 
The prog ends with an ad for Ray Liotta, Die Hard on an Island movie, No Escape, which is also one I've got a lot of memories for. I remember being, I, I, so I remember seeing the TV commercials as a kid and being very into it and then seeing it and thinking it was not that great. Um, yeah. Also, this issue came with a booklet to enter a contest to win a 3,500 pound entertainment system, Fox. That's pounds in terms of its cost, not its weight. Um, okay. It had a 14-inch color TV, a, nice. VH, a VHS machine, okay, a hi-fi, uh, okay, like you know stereo system, yeah, yeah, and the UK version of a Sega CD, like the Genesis with the built-in Sega CD add-on thing. Okay, that's pretty good, man. I just. 3,500 pounds for a 14 inch TV doesn't seem like a lot of TV. That's all I'm trying nowadays, at least. Yeah, you know? no, no. But then, but then, oh, man, the future's awesome. Yeah, Prog- the future <laughs> is awesome. Everything gets more flat. Finally, except for Even Conrad. The Earth. <laughs> Not Conrad, I'll say that. Rounder oh, than on. ever. 891, Brian Ballin's back for a shouting dread cover. I think it's pretty nice. I yeah, love it. And this one, we get a good shot of the eagle. Absolutely, get in there. <laughs> I also really like the uh, the jewels on Dredd's knuckles on those gloves or whatever. Yeah, they're and for this, they're for punching. Absolutely, and this is Ballin's last uh, 2000 AD coverage until the early 2000s. So dig it, you know. Mm. The Nerve Center has some Beetlejuicey and phrases and story oh recaps. What's in the prog this time? And we're back to a full size input page with a picture of Mean Machine and Fink just sort of hugging on each other like cool bros do, you know? Yeah. A letter takes advantage of Tharg printing the names of past thrills in bold print for like an extremely bold print letter, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> um, and another one shouts out their local news agent and Worthing because. They've kept them in comics, and now this dude's moving to Glastonbury with his guitar to make it big. As a bunch of guys role-playing as a cult of Tharg also write in in a final letter, reproaches Babe Race for being kind of offensive, but also being pretty good. And I can it empathize very, with, that, yeah, with that stance. No, it's very good. <laughs> like, I, I recognize there's a fair amount of racism and, like, you know, violence and anti-woman stuff, but it's also fun. So, you know. Yeah, you know. Sometimes it, it does, you gotta look it's past not, it. It's not the uh, it's not the um, the focal point as it has been in other books that we've read. Yeah, yeah. Didn't Big Dave me? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, well, no, Big Dave. It's just it's in your face the whole time. <laughs> That's right. And speaking of the of things being in your face as well as there being female protagonists, Fox. Let's talk about Thrill Six Mambo. Hey, Mambo, Mambo Italiano. Ah, that was, I got that too. Creation droid Dave Hine, letting her about L.A. DeVille. Dave Hine was the artist for Daudamoto Fox, and now yep. he's doing both writing and arting. Looking very good with this red-haired lady. Yeah, she's got red hair, a cyan jumpsuit, and sort of a steel Phantom of the Opera mask on her yeah, face. It's, it's kind of like a half-destro. Exactly. Or, or like a more full Kano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like a Kano or a Phantom of the Opera, but with a chin element as well. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Or maybe it would be like a two-thirds Destro. Or one-third Destro, excuse me. Oh, no, no. Yeah, like like a like a half Undertaker, Fox. Oh, man. Ah, uh, yeah. See so that face, facial My appliance Undertaker. as well. 
Oh, man, you're in trouble now. Anyway, <laughs> he's what, Paul Bearer. That's right. He's, he's I'm Paul Bearer, and you're not. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Wonderful. She parks her motorcycle in front of a bar called The Underground as the rain begins to fall. There's a dull, throbbing pain behind her eyes that shuts out other feelings. She walks into the bar mm. and various tough-looking characters with long-term eye injuries. One's got a patch. <laughs> one's got one of those scars that goes over the eyeball, you know. Uh, they all like the looks of her, but she's looking at an old lady sitting at the bar who in her vision morphs into a skinny dude and then the redhead, her head splitting with a headache, pulls her gun and shoots that old woman as she pulls out a fan, <laughs> but the redhead sees it's actually a, the, a man pulling out a gun. And then everyone in the bad guy bar is like, whoa, dude, you just iced that old lady. Yeah. Yeah. They say to call the law, but she says she is the law. And that catchphrase is taken. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Don't overstep your bounds. Finally, her backup, Captain Rickard, shows up and the redhead is named Verlaine. Rickard wants to know what's up. I'm asking you what's up. And she says this was self-defense because this old woman with a fan isn't a woman. She's a man with a gun, baby. <laughs> well done. Some guy, he's some guy named Peterson using a holographic imager. Oh, no. Yeah, he's got one of them uh, wristwatches, what makes you an old lady. Yeah, Verlaine pulls a floppy disk off his corpse, 1994. Don't copy that floppy. The uh, the what was it? Two and a half inches? What are the, what was that size? Three and a quarter? One of those? Yeah, the, something the, like that. The plat, the ones that weren't actually floppy. And the captain pockets it, and uh, it's property of the Ventress Corporation, which is clearly up to no good. That's an evil name. They even they're like all a powerful big corporation. They even own their own planet, Maldoror. Ooh. Rickard wants a report written up, but Verlaine has no time because she's got to meet her father's coffin at the spaceport. She hasn't seen him in 15 years, and he's been on the aforementioned planet Maldoror that whole time. She heads out, and a narration box tells us tells us that her first name is Rachel, and then sort of just la- like points out, like, oh, there's mysterious stuff happening between her father's de- death and what's on that disc. And yeah. it's a rare, like, uh, rare, same bat time, same bat channel style narration for 2000 AD, so as I sort of <laughs> noticed it. And, you know, it's it's hard for uh, for a woman to um, get ahead in this police force. Yeah, get a face in this police force, Fox. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever. I'm sick. That was, that was very good. I liked it. <laughs> At the Otmo space station, Rachel Verlaine chows down on a burger as the spaceship with her father's body, which has been taken two years, three months, and 17 days on the journey here, is 14 minutes late. She watches a news report of a dude on a future train suddenly warp (laughs) out with, like, these crazy tendrils coming out of his skin, hair, fingers, and eyes and getting real terrifying. The stalks... From his eyes and his fingers shooting down into his laptop and merging with it. And oh, it's real gross. <laughs> it's super. I was not expecting it out of this comic. I would say, honestly, this is some of the most terrifying imagery of 2000 AD since like fungus or the yeah. dead, maybe. Like, yeah. Mostly just because I hate the idea of there being mushrooms on my tongue and the dead, oh, of course, God. also yeah, very like so much. Yeah. Yeah. This was just, this guy just turns into a 
fucking eye stalk tree. It's gross. It's terrible. It's really gross. It's just all lines, all veins. And like, he's got like little, like fucking, I don't know how to describe it other than tentacle holes yeah. that pop out of his face. And it's like, oh. Yeah, like in a line. And st- yeah, it's no good. No good. It even freaks out the Clockwork Orange cosplayers that are also at this burger bar that Rachel was at. <laughs> And then they show you another one. And yeah, that guy was shitting is, and farting. Yeah, this happened again. Previously, adventurous exec fucking treed out in a toilet stall. Jesus. Oh, and we find out that, like, they're likely still alive in this state. Oh, yeah, no, this doesn't kill you. You're just sort of stuck in a you, spot. With yeah, the you goo out. Fucking root coming out of your heart <laughs> and going into the toilet, the bathroom floor, being real I will, crazy. I will give them... Uh, some props here that they didn't just have a stock grown out of his wang. That's probably a bridge too far, Fox. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised the toilet, honestly. I was like, that was bold. Um, oh, also, I just want to point out that I like the uh, the before he warps out, you see this guy's laptop and it's extremely 1994. Oh, like yeah. a brick laptop. It's the, you know, my, my dad's first laptop kind of situation. Um, anyway. The new the the reporter that's reporting all this stuff wants to know what's going on. What is Ventress hiding? Indeed, Mambo. Suddenly, <laughs> Mambo. There's a figure in tribal garb and white skin with blue hair that addresses Rachel, and they're carrying a mysterious cylindrical box. And their name is Masamune. Yeah, I like the sword. Which- all right, guys. These clockwork orange uh, cosplayers, some droogs, menace the figure, ask it about the box. But what's in they, the box? Yeah, they say <laughs> Which, only as it turns out, it's pretty good. Apt, I think indeed, it. yeah. Um, and but only the mambo can see its contents. Yeah, mambo number five. No, 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 it's mambo jam. number one. It's the main one. A little bit of Rachel in your life, Fox. <laughs> Rachel puts a stop to this, flashing her police badge and talking in droog talk to scare off these cosplayers. She asks this alien-looking guy, it might be a, I don't know, Mr. Masamune, where her father's body is and what a mambo is. It turns out she is the mambo. Yeah, you are the dance, the dance of life. And also, Rachel's father's body is still on Maldoror because Ventress wouldn't let it be removed. But he has sent Ma- uh, Masamune with a personal message conveyed by Rachel's father's head to Smoky Purple Jar and a jar. <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, it's very. Um, uh, oh God, why am I forgetting the name of the cartoon? Futurama. Yeah, yeah, it's future. It, the he, yeah, it croaks out Rachel. I think it kind of reminds me of like a, sort of a later period Marlon Brando as well. It's kind of a stringy hair, big head kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. seven would come out till ninety five. So this is ripping off. So seven's ripping this off. Just for the record. <laughs> yes, that's how uh, I choose to see it. Whatever. Yeah, it's ri- seven ripped this off. They read Mambo. And yeah. said, that's how I want my movie to end. That's right. Yeah. They read Mambo in like early 1994. And then they immediately went into production of a movie that would come out in 1990 in January of 1995. So maybe <laughs> six month time from conception <laughs> to 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 not just filming, but release Fox. That's pretty common for Hollywood films. right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially like ones with high production value. 
Oh, wait, no, I guess a year, but whatever. Whatever. Still not as long as, as it actually takes to make a movie. From no, it takes say. like six months to make a movie. It's pro- I mean, I feel like it probably does like to film it, but then like there's editing and marketing on one side and like securing financial shit on the other side, on the oh. on the earlier side. It's a whole thing. Boring. What is in the box, Fox? Back at her, uh, yeah, back at her apartment, the head continues to moan Rachel's name psychically. It's not actually moaning it, Fox. Yeah, no, it's psychically it's, moaning it. It's bothering her in her own brain. Yeah, and it seems that the same power that helps her solve crime also lets her hear this psychic moaning. The it's jar, psychic. yeah, the jar is keeping her father alive, and he's waiting to give Rachel a message. So. She, She's got to use this key, this key, to unlock her powers to release uh, the mambo. It, he just sticks a USB in her neck. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a memory stick than a key, I guess. <laughs> Goes into a slot in her mask and it hurts her. But eventually she like masters the pain and communes with the head, warping into some kind of library full of books and like African masks and statues, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah. No, it's got... It's got like fertility idols and stuff everywhere. He chose a very specific thing for himself. And that thing is weird. Very reminiscent of that um, one guy in Brigand Doom that brought Doom back as a zombie and stuff like that. That That's like, why are you so into this? Yeah. You know, it's the kind of stuff that definitely going to get you killed by Killmonger in uh, the Black Panther movie. Oh, yeah. I see you. Anyway. In this room, her mask is gone. She looks into a mirror with her father, but the mirror immediately cracks and leaks green fluid. The mirror does, not her father. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be weird if your dad cracked and bled green goo. They sit on a couch and watch a movie with the history of the planet Maldoror, where Rachel was born. It was colonized by some pilgrims that then called themselves some seekers, but later called themselves the new flesh, which is always they did a ominous. bunch of drugs and got into like body mind stuff. Yeah. Tantric sex and all that. Right. They started listening to Nine Inch Nails and watched various Cronenberg movies, basically. Yeah. Then started gooing out. Oh, my God. Heavily gooing out, Fox. Hundred percent. Yeah. It's like we won't we want to be high in mind and body, but also we want our body to be goo. Yeah. Something happened on the planet that liberated their minds and bodies, giving them superhuman abilities, and they ate plants that you know, yeah, goo gooed them up. Uh Rachel's dad was a researcher for the Lex Luthor-esque Dorian <laughs> Ventress who decided to buy Maldoror to learn its secrets. And so Dorian sent Mr. Verlaine to go figure it out. Space Marines landing on the planet where the natives turned their own bodies into weapons, but in sort of an anti-Avatar situation, they were quickly destroyed by Ventress troops. The planet was lost in a night, but the sun would rise on horrors beyond imagining. Got good out, probably. Next time, Holocaust. Oh, good. Glad they're trotting that name back out. Well, I feel like it's being used purposefully because I feel like they're talking about wiping out this people, new flesh people and stuff like that. I don't know. Oh, sure. It's just, you know, 2000 AD. 
there's one thing that you can guarantee at some point you'll see a Holocaust. I feel, yeah, I feel like that's, I don't know. I feel like it happens in other comics as well, is what I'm trying to say. It's a word oh, that's sure. got, got, got weight to it, so it's hard not to pre- not to pull the string on it, you know? Yeah, of course. Anyway, what do you think about this new thrill, Mambo, Fox? Very good. Like the look, interested. You know me, I like psychic stuff. I find that to be pretty good. I like psychic ladies. You know that very well. Yeah, they've definitely put a bunch of mysteries out here that we can now kind of put together or start looking for answers for. What's on the disc? What happened to What's the on the father? Disc? What happened on the planet? What's going on under her mask? All this. Why all is this Lex Luthor so obsessed with pharmaceuticals? Well, I mean, that could just be because he's greedy, you know, but there also could be a deeper thing. You're right. That's true, Fox. Um, he wants to be goo. God, who does, man? I'd be goo in a second. Just I know, right? Just like Goomy already. Just want to be Odo from Deep Space Nine, Fox. Oh yeah, you sleep in a bucket. I just want listen. I just want to get out of this place and just live in a bucket under your stairs or something. He, he just life. Wants, yeah, he just wants to be a little goo, like leave hop out as necessary. Anyway, speaking of guys he that can't are not get noses right. Oh, they want to talk about Odo. Well, speaking of guys that whose faces are slightly jacked up, Fox, let's go <laughs> to Thrill 7 Rogue Trooper. This time with elephants. Ooh. Script robot Steve White, art robot Henry Flint, learning robot Bunty Mayhew. Rogue Trooper gets an intro page to start out mentioning that he's got those dang biochips now. Um, and I guess we're now on New Earth, not actual Earth, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, You've also got a pair of new creators with their first times in the prog. First is writer Steve White, who's done a bunch of UK comics for licensed stuff and will now go on to a bunch of 2000 AD stuff in the 90s. And Henry Flint, who's a big star in the 2000 AD constellation, very much the start of his career here, go on to be a defining 2000 AD artist in the coming years, like to this very day, like literally Fox. As we're recording this, um, earlier this week, Prog 2300 came out. Where oh, my God. He's the lead artist on this big Judgment Days event, which is basically um, – do, do you remember the Judgment Day story we did in 92, you know, with Sabat yeah. and everything, bringing zombies and stuff? Well, in this story, instead of doing a suicidal commando raid on Sabat, they just hit Sabat with a bunch of those dimension nukes. Oh, not great. (laughs) And so they warped him to a bunch of different dimensions, which basically sort of created an alternate history where zombies conquer all of the worlds of 2000 AD and then attack Mega City 1. Okay. So, like, all your old favorites are back in zombie form fighting Judge Uh, Dredd. Hey, look at that. I got to send you a picture of it because it's pretty cool, actually, just in terms of um like there's a big montage of like oh look like there's zombie halo jones there's zombie dr quinch there's zombie cannon fodder there's zombie maniac five all these kind of guys you know that's crazy hold on a second but yeah it's a big it's a big like sort of the whole issue is just about sort of the zombie stuff and then goes into the magazine and whatever and we'll talk about it on an ungodly amount of time into the future anyway in the present or I guess in the present for the Progs, we're in the Ice Sahara of New Earth, where the Zaklan Bedouins ride musk oxen and have dino riders up some giant mammoths with onion dome styling. Real cool. Um, they're a nomadic people who don't really hurt anyone. And that's why 
the Kamov Stuka of the cult of Carvanu are attacking them. Yeah, we got to get rid of these jerks. Oh, yeah. They're wiping out the nomads with military jargon as in the distance Friday wears a white cloak to blend in with the snow. Eight Ball, who's the chip in the gun, prepares to show them the wonderful thing about triggers because he loves Winnie the Pooh. I thought this was kind of funny. Um, yeah. And um, the uh, the the Stuka think Friday's just another nomad to be slaughtered, but instead he comes up shooting. Let's knife. Getting these catchphrases in. Nice. He talks about being a force multiplier, the next big innovation in combat, like the flint axe or the bow and arrow. And in narration, we introduce the chips and their various personalities. Top, the good soldier. Eight Ball, the wacky Winnie the Pooh fan. Lucky, the cost-obsessed bookkeeper. As I like, they start shooting. He's like, the wonderful thing about triggers is triggers are wonderful things, you know. Yeah. uh, Suddenly, though, a surviving mammoth rears up at Friday, and then a Stuka troop carrier arrives. What's to be done? Oh, Skev! The answer turns out to be easy, though. Headshot the name off and then jump onto the gunship. Yeah, just do it. Come on, whatever. I like to say Mamoth instead of Mammoth Fox. It's a fun, (laughs) a fun... Listen, I don't know. I don't know if people have been noticing that I've been saying muscles instead of muscles on this podcast for the last couple months, but I definitely hey, have been. Muscles is a good one. They're both, you know, they're fun. I like, I like, I like Mamoth, muscles, and cockroach. Oh, and mm. a bob wire also instead of barbed wire. Bob wire. These are fun things Hello, to My name Fox. is Bob Wire. That's right. Keeping you out. <laughs> <laughs> Friday takes out the two pilots aboard the ship and then jacks Lucky and Top into the ship's flight mechanics, just puts Top the helmet on top of this corpse's head and, you know, uh, make Lucky it, make it in, go. The, in, in the uh, in, in the lap of another uh, dead pilot. Um, I like that they actually have roles and responsibilities and things to do. They're doing stuff. Standing. Totally. Yeah. Learning of an incoming further attack, Friday flies in to airlift out the surviving Bedouins, but the Stukas are coming in hot, and so the crew flies low to avoid enemy fire, and it seems to be working but won't last. There's only one thing to do, and that's for Friday to bail out of the chopper there in the slick, they keep calling it, to take out the attacking gunships. But before they can shoot, Apo wants to talk about his encroaching mother issues. But Friday manages to avoid the conversation. And Apo mm. easily shoot, snipes one gunship and makes the other run. The chips pick Friday back up. The Bedouins are very impressed, calling Friday the hand of God. And soon they're back at Damn. a base of folks fleeing this Carvanu jihad. We're, we're yeah, learning. we got to. I mean, yeah, we got to get out of here. We're gonna get. Yeah. We're gonna get religion stomped. We saw some pieces of this religious stuff in the mm. previous Friday story. Yeah, before he so before that ghost dildo helped him get aboard the <laughs> the Reaper of Souls' ship. Yeah, that's that was pretty good. But I'm I not. Wor- yeah, I'm not worried too much about this backstory. I don't think we should talk, uh, worry about it too much. Anyway, no, he's going to shoot people. That's the yeah, main impetus. Definitely. Yeah. What's important is that we're fighting the Carvanu, and Friday and the chips have dropped off their charges and are now taking the fight to the baddies. 
This one go our final installment here goes pretty fast. If you just kind of skim over the sci-fi jargon, which I've chosen to do, Fox, a lot of oh yeah, no, the pictures are too pretty right now, and also we get it. There's some 40k references. Here. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about how many mic mics the various guns are and things like that. Yeah, okay, millimeter, you know that kind of stuff. Um, uh, basically the troop helicopter that that Friday and the chips are in is pretty good, but it'll be taken out by the air defenses at the Carvanu base. So Friday is going to have to solid snake his way in on his own. Basically they pass another massacre of the nomads on the way in and then finally arrive. And there's a really cool, just little art thing here, Fox, where you see Mm. Friday sneak it into the base and setting up explosive. And it's just a little panel on the side. That's just got a bunch of like sneaking around, Placing the explosives, grabbing a guy, other guys not seeing him, that kind of stuff. I think that's it's really real neat. good. Yeah. Just it communicates a lot in a very compact space. Very well done. Friday is at the base just in time for the Carvanu mass, but he'll give a mass, Fox. Mass destruction, that is. Hell yeah. <laughs> we get another let let's knife as the base explodes and Friday gets to killing as the chips come flying in for, co- for close air support. In the end, only the red cloaked priest of Carvanu survives and Friday lets him live if he promises to stop massacring the Zacklin Bedouins and the priest agrees. Friday walks into the snow. Not and I thought this is a pretty fun, fun installment yeah. of Trooper. Honestly, it's really I, I think it's really turning a corner here. I'm excited to see where it goes from this. Yeah, I really like Flint's art style here. Um, oh yeah, hands down. He draws Friday a little bit more alien, I think, or like mm-hmm. non non directly human. I guess he's not just a blue guy. He sort of got some extra stuff in the. In the sci-fi special, his version of Friday was really like sort of almost gray alien-like or something. Whoa, really? And that settled down a little bit. But I think there is still some interesting, just making him look a little different than, I guess, uh, both how he's looked before and like previous Rogue Troopers and other humans, I guess, I suppose. He also, I mean, it feels very Duke Nukem-ish. The whole look. Of well, yeah, with, I'm, I mean, I'm in the blot, the blonde flat top. Absolutely. Yeah, I think yes. gets you right there. <laughs> exactly. But there's just some good action scenes here. I really love the big mammoths and like the big explosions and things like that. You know, this is just. Yeah, it delivers on it delivers on it being a war thing now. Yeah, just a nice little popcorn thrill, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Friday and the Chips will return in Prague 896. So not next episode, but the episode after that. Good times. And I guess speaking of more blasts from the past, Fox, in, 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 in several ways, let's go to Thrill 8 Armored Gideon. Man, that, that extra uh, bit that kind of gets uh, exposed at the end of this um, really saves this for me. <laughs> so script about John Tomlinson, art robot Simon Jacob, letter robot Annie Parkhouse, if I am not lazy, Fox, this episode will have started with me showing you the big twist at the end of this issue. Here. Oh, yeah. So, Annihilate. No credit page, but I think that's mostly because this first installment of Ar- Armored Gideon is very much a big recap section. You yeah. know, Armored Gideon, he's a space robot that polices the edge, this dimension where all these weird mystic jerks, demons, and weirdos try to enter our world, and Gideon stops them. Recently, he's been successfully photographed by Frank White, and now everybody loves Frank because that's cool. Hey, 
British news guy that's a caricature, but I can't identify, wants to uh, do a series on him. Madonna just wants his autograph, and he's got a big skyscraper with his name on it. He's going to get a knighthood as Mother Teresa kisses his feet, and he pushes past the gathered throngs of celebrities, healing the sick as he goes, um, and then complains to his former boss, Benson, who is now his secretary and hopelessly in love with him. Um, Yeah. And we basically, yeah, because he could capture these images of uh, Armored Gideon, he's gotten all rich and famous. Everyone loves him, including his living girlfriend, Michelle Pfeiffer, whose name in my <laughs> recap I can uh, spell from memory. So that's pretty fun. Hey, um, cool. Yeah. Everything's real great until she says that he has to wake up because this is all a yeah. dream and a dangerous lunatic with a shotgun is about to materialize <laughs> in his bathroom. You know, it's a really easy or that's a really great way to sum up Bill Savage. <laughs> Absolutely. Waking up, it seems all isn't rosy for Frank, but ah, uh, fuck, fuck all that noise, Fox, because the man who materialized <laughs> his bathroom was Bill motherfucking Savage. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, he calls Frank a scum sucking vulgar geek, and I'm pretty hyped about this story all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Get everything's better with the sprinkling of Bill. Bill, by God, Savage is shooting up Frank White's place, including his camera. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. And he calls him a Volgan. Frank tries to explain that he's on the run from Armored Gideon. Um, and Bill says he is too. He lasts Armored Gideon attacked by a giant claw monstrosity that he calls the Collector. It snagged a dude that looks not unlike Blackhawk, Fox, if we're going back yeah. to our classic 2000 AD guys. Absolutely does look like Blackhawk. And this monster is big enough to even give Armored Gideon pause. Anyway, Savage wants to know how Frank got Gideon to not annihilate him. Or sorry, annihilate him at the end of the previous <laughs> AG story. But Frank doesn't know. And it's we also learned that he got bilked from the copyright for his uh, Armored Gideon pictures. That's that's rough. And then was fired, and now he's hasn't had a job in six months. He starts to yell at Bill, but me shotgun shuts that right down. So, oh, yeah. And suddenly a portal opens, and Armored Gideon's outside their window. And to make matters worse, another portal opens, and the hand of the collector's coming right at him. Oh man. This thing's going pretty quick. There's a lot happening. The hands of both the Collector and Armored Gideon threaten Frank and Bill, so the boys have no choice but to hop back through the dimensional portal in Frank's bathroom. Which is in his toilet. Yeah. They jump into that commode and are free of menacing hands, but now on a frozen snowscape. Bad times indeed. Oh, and we know what's in our future. Oh, man. The pair goes to sneak to seek refuge in a cave. Frank once more asking Bill what a Volgan is because he isn't one. He's from Saugerties, New York, like Jimmy Fallon. But there's no time to talk about backstories because this cave has a polar bear in it. Could it be? The lads, it? the lads run and find the cave full of human bones that have like letters on their helmets. I don't remember that part. But anyway, that's Ooh. all I need to know. This bear is goddamn shacko. <laughs> it grows in size. He's huge. Yeah, I'm swearing so much because I'm very excited about the return of these characters. Although, Hell yeah, buddy. I will admit that for me, the return of Shacko is a little lessened just because I, I've i already experienced 2020 Shacko mania in 2000 yeah. AD. So, you know, I've seen this happen, but I am also very excited about it. <laughs> Shacko good. 
Checo oh, very good. Listen, I just want to see bears eat people. But Gotta not hide me. this bear in this teacher's cabin. <laughs> I don't want them to eat me, for the record, or people I no. care about. I want them to, I want people to show up, prove to me that they aren't good people, and then be eaten by a bear. Like fucking King Lear, <laughs> buddy. That's what I want. Well done. Fucking, what's that? Uh, oh, God. That one Disney movie? Oh, like like Brave. Yeah, that's what I want. Anyway, oh, there you go. I haven't actually seen that one, but I assume everyone gets eaten by bears. Um <laughs> <laughs> Savage gives Shacko both barrels in an image that I will keep me warm at night for years to come. And the two <laughs> men leg it back into the snow fields where they find a crashed airplane. And then as they look for shelter again, Shacko takes a massive bite out of Bill Savage. Oh, no. Oh, Bill's going to get eaten by this bear. Next time, mean cuisine. Oh, that's so great. Listen, Fox, I, too, remember being skeptical about this Armored Gideon series, but then they brought back Bill Savage and Shacko immediately, and now my mind is very open for it. My mind and my heart is open for this tale. Absolutely. Oh, God, I love Bill Savage. <laughs> so much. Oh, man. This is so ridiculous. I love him in color. Yeah, it's fun. You know, we haven't, I mean, God knows, we haven't seen Bill Savage since the disaster 1990. Uh, where you whip geese. Where you whip those bandolier. geese with the bandolier from a sh- <laughs> sticks with you. You know, this guy played a pipe that made the geese listen. To- the swans, he had a swan on either shoulder, and those things are heavy, oh, Fox. That's right. I break a man's arm, you know? <laughs> Said it myself I there. That they were on, on his shoulders. Yeah. Crazy. Those very, things are. Yeah, it's very good. I will say the big thing I've learned being in England is that swans are. Big as shit. <laughs> they're yeah, large yeah, they're birds. They're, they're a fuck off large bird. Yeah. Anyway, hey, speaking of monsters in England, Fox. Yeah, let's let's go back into the Pat Mills insanity that is slain. Yeah. Thrill nine slain. Script about Pat Mills, art robot German power, letting robot Steve Potter. Slain gets a title page in 889, and it's that you know, same. Oh, good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say this is the same image from the poster prog that we looked at. Yeah. Let me tell you something. In this, we get both bees and a wicker man. I know. I don't appreciate it, Fox, honestly. <laughs> My number one fear here in England. <laughs> bees and wicker men? Well, just being in a wicker man. I, like we just, yeah. As we're recording this, we've just passed the equinox. And every time we get to these times of year, I get nervous that... In my uh, small, yeah. in my small English village, that they're going to be looking for an outsider to put in this wicker man. I mean, man. that's got to stay inside when the wicker man people come out. Only a matter of time. Anyway, uh, previously slain, warped into his future, our past, the Roman conquest of Britain, helping Queen Boudicca conquer Colchester. But in the basement of a Roman temple, Slain has found the lair of his sexy nemesis, Elfric, who is now preparing to throw Slain into a black gate full of dark gods and tentacles and stuff. Oh, yeah. Listen, growing nipples just four rings. (laughs) Slain struggles, but Elfric pushes him forward until Slain pulls out the tether of the goddess, the hair of Danu, which he used to wed Boudicca earlier, I believe, and he uses it to garrot Elfric, causing him to twist and turn and turn to goop and dissolve, basically, and it then explodes. explodes. Yeah. yeah. Elfric is basically dead, I I assume, as Slain will become next Beltane, as Boudicca keep reminding, keeps reminding him. 
Yeah, really. Thank you so much. They make out and head to the Wicker Man, where they will sacrifice the Caesareans and their collaborators, including Ucko the Dwarf. Yeah, sold them stuff. Yeah, but suddenly news comes the Ninth Legion is advancing on their position, and Ucko calls from the Wicker Man that, like, I can't bring back your honey, but I do have cool tactics to fight the Romans <laughs> with. At at uh, Boudicca's urging, Slain lets the dwarf free and is very pleased to learn of Ucko's underhanded evil schemes. It's pretty good. Yeah. At Colchester, the Ninth Roman Legion advances in Tetsudo formation, which is normally invincible. But Ucko has the Celts throw wasps' nests into the middle of them, and this breaks up their formation. I mean, they just flip the fuck out, which I mean, yeah, I get it. I don't want to... Listen... If you just toss a wasp's nest into any situation I'm in, Fox, I will freak out and run away. <laughs> it's very bad. Like that is that is what beats Conrad. I don't want to be. Listen, listen, listen. What's the thing about me, Fox, that makes me unique is that yeah. I don't like to be stung by wasps. <laughs> Neither do I, man. I get very nervous. Around oh, whoa. Wasps. That must be why we're friends, I guess. Because <laughs> I, I hate him. Our strange um, likes and dislikes. <laughs> Ask Reggie anytime. I, I get real I get real weird when there's wasps or bees around. I'm like, nope. <laughs> gotta leave. Yeah, no, bad times. Um so the the Caesareans break formation, allowing a stampede of bulls to chase them into freshly dug pits where they can Pretty then good. be speared and have rocks thrown at them at the Celts leisure and slain axes, the survivors. Boudicca addresses the masses in victory. They shall walk the Celtic road to Landon, ancient London, and take out those jerks. <laughs> victory. Oh, and there's also some jokes about like, oh, you think you could? the Romans brought the roads to England? We were doing that shit for thousands of years. Weird <laughs> druid that's, roads that were purposefully not straight because we're pagan and have creepy beliefs. <laughs> we're just and then it's just everyone laughs at that because it's like lol roads i guess listen listen a roman also brought aqueducts let me let's, tell you this fox romans build roads like mm, 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 mm. and and celts build roads like uh-huh. yeah i'll be here all week anyway <laughs> Victory is near, but Slain is sad. He misses his wife, Neve, and his son, Kai, and all of his long, long ago friends from the before times. Yes. In the end, like, you know, he's going to kill a bunch of dudes. Like, he's definitely going to, like, kill every man, woman, and child in this town. But it's not his fight. It's not his people. You know, in the end, the only parts of home are him and Ucko, and Ucko's terrible, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's, he's the worst. Boudicca understands his problem and leads him into the woods where they make out under a green moonrise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be more than that, but yeah. Have you considered doing it? Think yeah, about it. like that's it's that's pretty much what she throws down. It's like, yeah, you're sad, so let's uh, go into these bushes. I mean, I've heard worse. I don't know. Anyway, Jesus, the Celts have encircled Landon, uh, cutting off heads and sounding their magic war drums. 20,000 citizens are slaughtered that day with Boudicca oh at God. the lead of the battle for some in some sweet she gear. 
Everyone, yeah, absolutely. That is, that is very She-Ra, actually. I, it, it, I feel like, yeah, it's got sort of the white dress and then sort of armored plates on top of it and stuff. Mm. They fight in a, the Celts fought in a death trance, killing their way to exhaustion. In the end, only slain and the maddened shield maidens keeping up with the slaughter. They kill everybody, especially the women, children, and old people that were left by the Legion's escape. Just, yeah, might as well kill them all, I guess. I mean, they mentioned this, and Oko says it's terrible. I'll also mention that it happens off screen, just in terms of us not fully showing sort of the <laughs> evilness of war, I guess. Yeah, sure. And in the fortress beyond time, Nest checks in with Oko, who's, and he's worried that she won't like that the heroic Celts are being real underhanded and bloodthirsty and stuff like that. But Nest is okay with it if that's the truth of how things happened. Plus, in the end, all those Roman women and children did have it coming when you think about it, you know. <laughs> Fucking, your parents shouldn't have oppressed the Britons, five-year-old. Fuck you. Yeah. That kind of stuff. That's so horrible. Plus, like, the Earth goddess, man, is sort of inherently cruel and treacherous, like the like nature itself, like yeah, all people. Deity. Women especially. Am I right, oh. fellas? Oh anyway, Nest is distracted because she's about to take part in a test of her own embracing the dark side of the Earth, guys. Uh, yeah. To learn about that, she's eaten and drank all kinds of foul stuff, done all kinds of gross things. There's only one more thing to do, and that's fuck the grossest dude in the fortress. And Uko <laughs> is pretty sure that's him. Oh, God. <laughs> He rushes to finish his ma- manuscript and then hurries to Nest's room, only to find her mid-foreplay with more Ron the Dung Collector. Oh, no. Apparently, he's just a tad worse. Uh, he is the Dung Collector, I it's, guess. It's the mesh shirt, I think, is yeah. what puts him over <laughs> I the think top. that's really what pushes it over. <laughs> it's, it's such a weird touch that they added in, you know. The two of them go to get it on, and Usko is and Ucko is frustrated still. Next time on Slain, the bones of Oweth. And uh Ucko's blue balls. Yeah, the bones. <laughs> oh boy, Conrad. That was good. Good stuff. You know, I, I, I like this Slane story. You know, had some had some good action scenes. I like Darren Powers art pretty well. Like good mix of sort of the look and learn. I don't know. Roman Legion stuff combined with um, Elfric exploding. And just that's some, pretty good. Just some fun like battle, you know, or like a battle speeches and things like that. Good times. Absolutely. Um, and hey, with that, we've reached the end of our thrills for Prog's 888 to 891. And I gotta know, Fox. I gotta you, know. You have to. You must. Huh? Yeah. What are your top and bottom thrills? I'm gonna say to you. Uh, so I, I did. I, I'm actually really enjoying this relaunch. Um, you know, I, I am surprised by both Armored Gideon and by Rogue Trooper. Because I those are ones that I usually poo-poo on. But honestly... Indeed, the Rogue Trooper relaunch. I'm really enjoying, especially artistically. It's the thing's beautiful. Um, and Armored Gideon's hitting the high notes. It feels like it was written for us. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm enjoying those. Not top worthy, I would mention. Mm. Um, now, 
I am going to say I, I enjoy Judge Dredd doing his usual shenanigans, but we're not really into kind of this conspiracy thing yet. Obviously, it was very good. I love some time travel shenanigans. We had some good Bill and Ted jokes in there. Um, but, I, you know, for my top, I'm going to say it's Mambo. Hey, all right. Mambo Italiano, number five. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i pretty interested in it. I like it when we get some of this psi interest coming in. Uh, you know, I do like my psychic stuff. But I feel like it's got enough on kind of the the starting arc here that it's really fueling a bunch of questions that I have. And I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Also, real gross how those people died. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that just really shocked me at the very start. And I'm like, that's how you get me engaged. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it, that that's that second issue with all the body horror stuff does do a lot to sort of justify why this new thrill is here with a bunch of these sort of old, old favorites coming back, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll say I do want to mention Slane. I, I, I just need to see where this thing's going and it doesn't doesn't seem like it has a particular destination as of yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm kind of reserving judgment, but it's more slain. I can't complain. Yeah. But so you might ask yourself, well, what's your bottom? And I'm going to tell you this episode's going to be a cop out because it's the clown and I don't care. <laughs> Fair. Now, Conrad, I must ask you, what are your top and bottom thrills? Oh, man. I might join you with the clown, I guess. I didn't really care for it. I mean, listen, I, I don't want to put any of the new ones on the chopping block. That's I might the way spread it things around with Bradley also or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, no, I, I like, honestly, you know, when I got to the end of, of uh, 891, I was feeling pretty good just in terms of mm-hmm. like, hey, these are all sort of stories that I like and even stories that, like you said, like stories that we talked that, that are in here that in the past have not been that great ha- have been really interesting. I like this. Absolutely. New, I like this new rogue trooper. Um, I do think literally just what we've talked about in the past of having the chips in there to have, give someone for rogue to bounce off, but off against and just kind of have like just some extra dialogue and talks and, and like uh, jokes and things like that. Yeah. Do, they, they can be a blessing and a curse, right? They, right. they still need to progress with whatever they are, but I but do I feel, feel like that they, it's so much better. Yeah, these are much better than just a bunch than a bunch of grit than the grim silent Friday stories that we've had in previous adventures and stuff. Um in, in previous Friday installments are I mean again, just I'm a sucker for I mean, as I mentioned judgment days earlier, but I'm always a sucker for when you just sort of bring me some classic two thousand AD dudes in um in modern in modern settings and stuff like that like uh, that that will always make me uh uh clap appreciatively basically um but i think hmm, what's my top mm. it's hard it is um cuz yeah i'm i'm sort of Dread was sort of mostly one-offs this time and was okay, I guess. Like, I, I thought that the time travel story was a very fun, like, bringing people back in story. I think it definitely yeah. did its job there. Um, I might say Armored Gideon just because of that moment where Bill Savage yeah. jumps in. And I'll tell you that kind of a rare thing for me is that reading that story... Then at, when I finished 891, I started reading ahead just to see, like, to refresh myself of who comes back and what other characters we'll see and stuff like that. So and that's a real point of, like, 
that's that's a positive thing for these comics. It's not something that happens all the time, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I I love I love revisiting the greats, you know. Yeah. So so, so I thought that was good. Oh, dreads up there though. If just be or actually no, I should say I'm probably gonna have dread next time because I think this conspiracy story is very interesting. Um, and for my bottom, yeah, clown feels good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, although I might, yeah, Brad. I thought Bradley was non-offensive. It was fine. Yeah, Luke, exactly. It wasn't Luke, the worst Bradley I've read. Yeah, Luke Kirby was pretty good. I mean, again, yeah. very fine. But I got some cousin jokes in there, so I can't be <laughs> mad at it. <laughs> Babe Race again. Maybe because of the name, I was re- I was real down on it, but now I feel like it's a diamond in the rough. Honestly, like collect Absolutely. collect Babe Race, collect all these. Give me a give me a. I I feel like we talked about this before, but give me a uh, a best of Mark Miller in yeah. two thousand AD with some of these Why just not? some of these one off characters. You know, I think I don't know if they actually are the best, but something like like just something with like Babe Race, Cannon Fodder. And uh, like Mother Earth, wait, was that? No, I don't think that was. Mother Earth would be a weird one. <laughs> Mother Earth wasn't Mark Miller, excuse me. But like, yeah, Cannon Fodder, Babe Race, some of these other ones in there. You yeah, know what I'm talking Cannon about. Fodder, absolutely. Maniac 5, maybe. Like, yeah, maybe. These are all sort of fun Mark Miller character studies that I wouldn't mind like. You know, yeah, collect him a little bit. Don't put Big Dave in there, though. You know? Don't put Big Dave in there. Do not Not put Big Dave. Big Dave. No but one wants that. Maybe like Purgatory and Maniac and the two Maniac Fives or something. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, there you I'm go. not in charge. Maybe Silo. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I'd look at that collection. Is all I'm. Is all I'm saying. I would. I would recommend it to people. Um. And anyway, all right. Enough of my provisional uh, uh, f- fantasy collection booking, Fox. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On the 2080 forums, our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page, on Twitter at Space Spinner 2K. If you're anything else, Space Spinner 2000, you'll find us there. And leave us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening to it. Helps people find this show. Show's brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cradaline. That's the podcast network. Support the show, get advanced episodes, and come back next time. As we'll continue pretty much all of our current thrills with some future shocks and terror tales taking the place of Rogue Trooper. I think we're in the middle of a mostly good run, so I'm stoked to keep this stuff rolling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, excited. We're so close to Prog 900 as well. Like, two more episodes and we'll be there. Very exciting, Fox. And until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for three!